The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. You are listening to the EPL show here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can also follow the Twitter account for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. They are at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. And finally, you can follow me on my Twitter account. I am at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com, the Twitter account for LockBetting.com, the service that has provided 113 months in a row of transparent track profit sign up in time for the World Cup. Now, so the World Cup podcasts are a couple of days away. We've now organised a a regular release date. They are going to come out on Mondays and Thursdays. So this Monday, you'll get Group A and B. On Thursday, you'll get C and D. And then the following weeks, you'll get the other two groups on Monday and the other two groups on Thursday. So we will complete the futures previews for the groups. And then we will do a futures show looking at the outright winner's market, looking at the top goal scorer and other props. And then we are away with the tournament, a podcast every two days covering the games. Now, over on the Champions League show, where we finish strong with another winning luck, We spoke about the intro music at the top of the show and temporarily I put Gangster's Paradise at the front to pay tribute to Coolio, who I mentioned that I knew. Now, as a club promoter, I was uh, bringing Coolio over to the UK, actually brought him over to a couple of student nights in Leicester and a couple of nights in London. There's pictures and whatnot on on my Facebook. But what was funny was, is that For years and years after I was done club promoting, as I transitioned onto professional gambling from being a club promoter, I would see Coolio's face. And I'm not just talking about on my Facebook accounts or in various places where I put up photos from events. I would literally see Coolio's face on a mouse mat that was given to me by one of my ex-girlfriends because... um, Coolio loved coming to England and getting booked in England and putting it on the young English girls. And he was successful at that because he's famous and girls sleep with famous people. So I was with my girlfriend one of these nights and um, he didn't know it was my, my girlfriend because in between booking Coolio the first time and then booking him for this event in Leicester. Um, My life had had changed. We were able to have a crazy night where I was able to engage in crazier things. But when my girlfriend was there, it was at this time, it was different. So I don't think he understood that. So when I wanted to have a photo with her together, it was me and her with, with her in the middle. 
Coolio put his arm, stretched his arm around to me and squashed us together. He's like, come on, come on, let's make a manwich with her, which she, which she heard, thinking that this was some, some random girl that we were going to rattle in the hotel or something later on when it's actually my girlfriend, which she actually had a good sense of humour and, and found it funny, which is why I didn't chuck the mouse mat away for, for years, because this isn't some idiot ex, you know, how, how most of your exes all turn out to be idiots and you, you hate them and don't want to have anything to do with them. This was a very, very mutual kind of breakup where it was based on distance and career. She was an actress. She's still an actress now. She's a successful actress now, but she was trying to progress as an actress at the time. And uh, she said that she was finding the distance upsetting and it was breaking her concentration. And I wasn't particularly happy with the distance and having to make a big schedule to to see each other and whatnot because this isn't how it started but it's how it ended up developing so it was best to to cut ties at that point in time and it was for that reason why there was no reason to throw away the mouse mat that she gave me and the mouse mat was me and her and Coolio and she'd put on there let's make a manwich so yeah for years I saw that and as I said, there's no beef there. Actually, there was, I don't even remember having any significant fight with the girl other than it being over the fact that there was um, a distance issue and just a lack of seeing each other after having a very, very good and easy, quite blissful first six or seven months, uh, which included meeting Coolio in that time. So yeah, that that's that's kind of why I put it at the front of the show because not only was it somebody I knew, not only was it someone that I interacted with several times through through booking him through England but also I saw his face on that mouse mat and had that little story um in my locker so yeah for me when he died it was quite sad and um that was me sort of paying tribute to him and deciding to put that at the front of the show and then when I removed it once I felt like that had been done for a for a normal period of time I actually ended up getting loads of messages from you guys asking me to put it back at the front of the show so it's currently back not too sure how long it will stay um it will depend on sean and ryan if they want it changed um for the next ad read or whatnot but at the moment it is back coolio's instrumental is at the front of the show and uh, that's the story behind that one the other story you guys wanted to know about was erling Haaland and why i thought he was a dick now the reason why i wanted to do this via the dms was because you get these people who want to twist everything and in some way they'll make my 10-year-old son out to be the bad guy in this story when for me the bad guy in this story is clearly Erling Haaland. So over the last couple of years my son has started collecting autographs. This started with me having access to WWE wrestlers through my other job where I host a podcast called The Dirty Sheets. Uh, I worked with Vince Russo on the brand and um, I'm currently on Keeping It 100 with Disco Inferno and Conan, or Conan and Disco Inferno as as Conan would prefer it. So um, yeah, I started to um, take him to the, the hotels and whatnot to, to meet wrestlers and he's met a lot of wrestlers. So obviously the question then comes up when we start to more regularly watch Manchester United after the pandemic. Where do we go and meet the Man United players? Uh, we go and meet them down at Carrington Training Ground. There's a place to, to wait and they tend to stop for children where they can get their autographs and whatnot. And one of those people was Cristiano Ronaldo. 
And when you meet Cristiano Ronaldo, the next thing becomes, oh, can we try and meet Messi when he comes over to play against Manchester City? PSG in Manchester City's group. Can we try? Can we try? Well, yeah, we can try, but it's going to cost a lot of money because they're not going to be training at a training ground, specifically like Man United are. So the only way to do that is to book the Paris Saint-Germain hotel, which we did. And he managed to meet Lionel Messi. Over the course of the last 12 months, he's been able to meet a whole load of other big people that he that he wanted to meet, such as um, Logan Paul, Aaron Rodgers, Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic, and even The Rock at the movie premiere a couple of weeks ago. So it's been quite a big year in terms of doing that hobby. And it is a hobby. I know some people are very, very much against it, but it's a kid doing his hobby. Um, as I said, started out with Roman Reigns, evolved onto Ronaldo, then Messi, and then et cetera, et cetera. It's become a, a, a bigger hobby. But we are taking a break from it at the moment because of Erling Haaland. Now, this is what ended up happening with Haaland. We had a very successful start to the season at Man United. I think Eric Ten Hag has implemented something where he's encouraging the players to stop more and to sign for the, the fans. Players that would previously drive past you or walk past you at the um, at the Park Up, which is where Man United players park and come into the ground for the game, such as Rashford and Luke Shaw, mainly the English players, Harry Maguire as well. Uh, they've started to, to sign. So there wasn't too much appetite to go down to to Man United. I think this was initially during the period where uh, Casemiro and Anthony hadn't yet begun training or went, or they, they were training, but they were coming into training in a box van. They hadn't yet acquired cars. So it wasn't their choice to stop or not. So Anthony still actually is driven in, but he's driven in by a private driver and he gets him to stop. So um, we he wanted to go down to the Manchester City training ground where we noticed that Erling Haaland drives past everybody and we did this a couple of times and obviously expressed his disappointment and um, the security guard at Manchester City asked him and said oh is Haaland the main person you want to which he said yes he said oh where have you come down from he goes oh I always come down from London so at this point the security guard told us the best place to get Haaland which was to go and wait in a car park of the building that he lives in. Now, obviously, this is where you get to the point where people are like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Oh, you shouldn't do that. Oh, this is not the right thing to do. But, you know, the guy's not signing. I'm dealing with a 10-year-old kid. I didn't give him the information. A security guard has just said to us both, this is how you need to go about getting Haaland. He will not sign outside of the club which he should do because the other players do. And obviously this is where you get to a point of contention where people will agree or disagree with, with going into the vicinity of where someone lives. But it's just a car park. So this is the car park of the block of apartments where he lives. So we waited there. And as he sees Harlan pulling in, uh, we walk up to him and his uncle turns around and says, no, 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 you can't be here. You can't be here. Well, you can be here because we could live in the apartments. Like, you don't have full right over the car park or, or anything like that. So, um, so he's telling me, you can't be here, you can't be here. And I, and which I say to the uncle, oh, he just wants one autograph and one picture. He goes, no, 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 there's places you can get that. He goes, I was like, where? He said, you need to go to the training ground. I said, we've just been to the training ground. I said, you're taking him three times. He said, he doesn't sign there. I'm having this argument and Erling Haaland is standing there. 
and does not diffuse the situation whatsoever and allows me to have an argument with the uncle, which, you know, things are said, it lasts about 60 seconds, 90 seconds, which is an eternity in an argument. And uh, the pair walk away and my son gets nothing. So at this point, we've deemed Erling Haaland to be a bit of a prick. But my kid who obviously has developed this hobby and has achieved the targets of The Rock and Messi and Djokovic and Ronaldo, he wants to try again. And I say, what's the point? And my kid makes this defence for Haaland saying that it was probably because it was his uncle and his uncle is his agent and they were probably just down for the, the Manchester derby because we hear from other people in and around this this little autographing community that um, he's now driving himself. He's not being driven around anymore. So things have changed since that first attempt. So we go back down to Angel Gardens and that is actually correct. Harlan comes out of his car. So I say to my kid, this time, I'm not going to come with you because obviously there's a reputation with, with adults who pursue autographs in that they are sellers who are doing this for income and they're trying to benefit off obtaining autographs or, or using their children or, or anything like that, which I absolutely don't do at all. Um, I've never even had a picture with any of these people. Um, I don't have a picture with Aaron Rodgers. I don't have a picture with Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't have a picture with The Rock. I don't have a picture with Roman Reigns. I don't do any of this stuff. Like it is all what my kid wants to do. So he got out of the car on his own. Erling Haaland is on his own. This now seems like a guaranteed hit. This seems like this is going to come to fruition. So which point he goes up to Haaland and Haaland says, no, 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 go, you go, you go, you go, you go. He starts pointing his thumb backwards. My kid then runs back round to the front of Haaland, to which Haaland says, no, 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 you go, you go, you go, you go. He goes through this um, this door, which takes him into the building. And at this point, I go running out of the car because Austin has fucking gone into the hotel, uh, into the apartment, which I did not give him permission to do. But I'm thinking, you know, at this point, if he's going to pursue this guy to his door, which he didn't, he pursued him to the lift, which takes him up to his apartment. He's obviously going to get this autograph because nobody can be this stubborn. No one can be this much of a prick to ignore this persistent 10-year-old. But that was the case when Austin came out. He was crying. He had no autograph, uh, nothing. It was literally one shirt. And it was obviously nothing to do with sales or profits or anything like that because it was a kid-sized Harlan shirt that he wanted to get signed. He also had a, a trading card in his pocket, which he didn't even get to bring out because this guy was such a dick. So that's that's my experience with Harlan. Ultimately, I'm going to land on the fact that he's a dick. That's my kid. Uh, the contentious part is, you know, some of you people who are going to, disagree with everything that I say because you because you do despite the fact that I come on here work my ass off and give you winner after winner after winner and successful podcast after success, successful podcast you're going to turn around and say oh you shouldn't stalk people or, or whatever this is not what this is um this is going into two public places where people wait to try and get the autograph of Erling Haaland this has been uh, successful with as I said the list is long uh, with everybody else that um, he's wanted to get an autograph with, but Erling Haaland has decided that he's going to be a massive prick, in my opinion. So that was the story that you guys were, were DMing for. 
Um, I'm definitely going to put it in the in the notes that the actual handicapping of this week's EPL doesn't begin until the 16th minute because we are now going to start and uh, I don't want to give people any reason to complain but these were the stories that people wanted to hear and therefore those are the stories. Okay let's begin with this weekend's EPL action. We don't have a 12.30pm kickoff so the action begins at three o'clock with Leeds at home to Bournemouth. Leeds are the three to four favourites to win the game. It's 14 to five on the draw and Bournemouth here are available at 15 to four. Bournemouth have had a pretty significant dip losing their last three games, whereas Leeds come into this off the back of what I think could be their result of the season, winning away to Anfield. And that was massively significant because that was Virgil van Dijk's first ever loss at Anfield since signing with Liverpool. Don't forget that he didn't play throughout the entire pandemic. This is also the first time that Liverpool have lost with crowds dating back to 2017 as well. So this was a monumental defeat. I mean, in, in, the, in the league, they lost obviously in the, in the Champions League to Atletico Madrid. But this was obviously a significant result for Leeds. And I think they can carry that momentum into this game against Bournemouth. But I think en route to doing that, there will be goals. And therefore, I think both teams to score could actually be a stronger play than Leeds on the money line. This is because neither of these teams have kept a clean sheet in any of their last five matches. And I think they can take advantage of each other's sloppy defences. And therefore, I'm going to lean both teams to score here, given that I think both of the teams will think that they can penetrate each other. Both teams to score as a bet has actually cashed in over half of over half of Leeds' Premier League games this season. And three of the four head-to-heads across the last decade have seen both teams score. Now, that's somewhat irrelevant historical data. I'm not a big fan of historical data. Um, it does tend to have a weird hit rate, a weird high percentile in the NFL in particular, where you look at trends like um, the Chicago Bears not covering spreads against Green Bay, you look at Jacksonville beating Indianapolis at home and Indianapolis beating Jacksonville at home, even though the personnel changes a lot. Um, I always find that very strange. But in soccer, I don't think it necessarily carries over. But uh, the data is there anyway, if it's of any use to you. My main lean for this one is for both teams to find the back of the net. And I also like Leeds to take the win. I just wish they were at a better price here than three to four. I'd be definitely more interested in Leeds if the line was set somewhere along the lines of minus 110, minus 120. Up next, we look at the game between Manchester City and Fulham. And uh, I wonder if our friend Erling Haaland is going to be fit for this one because the rumours are is that he isn't and that there is a bigger issue with Haaland's injury that Manchester City are not disclosing. So that's the rumour. It'll be interesting to see if that rumour is put to bed at the weekend and he ends up playing this game at home to Fulham where City are the 1-9 to favourites. It's 9-1 to on the draw and it's 20-1 to here on Fulham. It's always difficult to handicap these Manchester City games because they have such short lines. But I'm going to take a punt on Fulham 
being able to score a goal here, much like Sevilla did in midweek. That was our lean in midweek for both teams to score in that game because I thought that Manchester City would have a weakened backline. But here, I just think Fulham are a big attacking threat who should be able to score a goal en route to obviously losing this game. Manchester City have conceded in four of the last six home games, but they haven't failed to score at the Etihad since way back in March when Fulham have scored in 11 of their 13 Premier League games this season. City though have won 14 successive games at the Etihad and two have actually been by a 3-1 scoreline. So if Fulham were to score here, I would think Manchester City would be able to score the three goals to cover a minus 1.5 Asian handicap line and that scoreline individually is worth a sprinkle. It's available at 14-1 to here for this game between Manchester City and Fulham. And very quietly, very sneakily, I've been hitting a lot of scoreline predictions this season. I don't know if you guys have noticed Hopefully you have. Up next, we look at the game between Nottingham Forest and Brentford, where Forest are the 2-1 underdogs. It's 23-10 on the draw, and it's 6-4 here on Brentford. I'm tempted on Forest as the live dog, but ultimately, this is a game where I don't see a lot of goals. I think this one could be under 2.5 goals, and I definitely think there's a chance of this one being a draw. Both sides are missing key players for the game. Forrest are coming in off a 5-0 defeat against Arsenal. So they'll be looking for a better, stronger defensive performance here against Brentford. Uh, Ivan Tony, who has contributed half of Brentford's league goals this season, is missing this clash through suspension. Whereas in the Forest side of things, no side has failed to score in more games than Nottingham Forest, who have scored zero goals in seven of their games so far this season. So... The nil-nil could be appealing here. The nil-nil draw for this game is actually priced out at 12-1. to So that's definitely worth the sprinkle alongside our main lean for under two and a half goals. It's 10-11 to for over. It's 10-11 to on under. I'm not understanding how this one goes over without Tony in the Brentford team. And with Nottingham Forest failing to score in seven of their games so far this season... So we'll take under two and a half goals here in this one between Forest and Brentford. Up next, the final game from the 3pm kickoffs. We look at the game here between Wolves and Brighton, where Wolves are the 23 to 10 underdogs. It's also 23 to 10 on the draw and it's 13 to 10 on Brighton. This is another game, much like the last one, where I don't really see many goals. I think this one could be another nil-nil draw. Wolves have actually played out four draws so far this season and two of them have ended nil-nil while they have failed to score in over half their games. Brighton have also played out two goalless draws, including one against Nottingham Forest recently. So when you're looking at Nottingham Forest, a team that haven't scored in seven games so far this season, then you think they're a red-hot under team. But Wolves fall into that category as well. They are the lowest scoring side in the Premier League. They've only scored six goals so far. And they come up here against a Brighton team who aren't attack-minded team, but they struggle with teams who sit deeper. They, they find it difficult to break down a low block. Once teams pay them respect, then it's not a wide-open game. Brighton struggle to score the two or three goals that they need to make sure that they win a game convincingly. Four of their five meetings with teams in the bottom half have, few, have featured fewer than three goals, and that's where Wolves sit at the moment. And as I said, the lowest scoring team in the EPL with just six goals to their name so far. Strong day data for a nil-nil, very strong data for an under, shocked that once again we're getting the same line, 10 to 11 on the over, 10 to 11 on the under, don't understand who's playing the over here, give me under two and a half goals here between Wolves and Brighton at the price of 10 to 11 here in this one. 
Up next, we move over to the late kickoff on Saturday as Everton host Leicester City. Everton are the 64 favourites. It's 23 to 10 on the draw, and Leicester are the 2 to 1 underdogs. Leicester have had a little bit of a mini revival now. I don't think anybody's talking about them as being genuine relegation contenders anymore. And coming to Everton, I think they'll be looking for the points. But likewise, Everton will be looking at Leicester as a team that they can beat. I think both teams to score is the safest way to go here in this game. A big contrast from the last two games. I do expect both teams to find a net in this one. Leicester have scored in 30 of their 32 away trips. And they've seen both teams score in 28 of those. So you're looking at data here that's cashed in 28 of 32 occasions where Leicester have travelled. The visitors have scored in every away game this season, but they've only managed one clean sheet, while Everton have scored in four of their last five at home. So I think this is a strong play for your late game on Saturday. We take both teams to score at the price of 10 to 13 here between Everton and Leicester. Before we move on to Sunday's games, let me take this time out to tell you guys about Winbet. If you're ready to win money and boost your odds, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play with exclusive rewards right at your fingertips with WinBet Rewards on WinBet. If you like great promos, odds, and payouts, they are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. If you're ready to play, sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get a $100 free bet. There's so much to choose from. All you need to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know that we sent you at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Now, the offer is subject to change. Terms and conditions available at winbet.com. You must be 21 or older and present in state where play through Winbet is available. If you're someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Let me also take this time out to tell you guys about the Sports Gambling Podcast YouTube channel because those guys are giving you a chance to win your choice of either an autographed Lawrence Taylor or autographed Brian Dawkins jersey neither of which was obtained in either of their car parks. The contest is completely free to enter. Subscribe to youtube.com slash podcast. Comment on a video. Each video is a new chance to win. Turn your notifications on so you don't miss SGP contacting you when they pull the winner. The winner will be announced on this Sunday's recap show. So this ends on Sunday where the winner will be announced on this Sunday's recap show. Moving on to the Sunday games in the EPL and we begin with the London derby between Chelsea and Arsenal where Arsenal are the favourites to win at Stamford Bridge. I can't remember that happening for a long, long time. Arsenal are the 6-4 plus 150 favourites. It's 12-5 to on the draw and Chelsea are the 13-8 to underdogs here to win at home to Arsenal. So, This would be unthinkable to me three or four seasons back, but Arsenal have steadily improved. At the start of last season, it looked like Mikel Arteta was going to get the sack after losing his first three games. And one of those three games was an absolute domination 
at the Emirates by Chelsea with Romelu Lukaku putting on a show looking like he was going to be the signing that would mount a title challenge for Chelsea off the back of winning the Champions League and that they would be a team who would compete with Manchester City whilst Arsenal would be a team who would struggle once again to be anywhere near the top four. Things have obviously changed. Arsenal are the team who currently occupy a top four position. Chelsea have sacked their manager, Thomas Tuchel. They did not mount a title challenge last season. They didn't win anything. And Romelu Lukaku was such a flop. He ended up going on loan back to Inter Milan with a view to them signing him at the end of the season. And Arsenal come here as the favourites to win this game. They sit top of the league having won every single game this season, bar two, drawing at Southampton and losing away to Manchester United. So why am I taking Chelsea here in the draw-no-bet market? Well, Graham Potter's only lost one game since he's taken charge of Chelsea, although the performances haven't been massively impressive. The record is good. He is is managing to find a way to get results other than last week where Brighton were just very, very motivated to send a message to Graham Potter. And quite frankly, Chelsea were complacent and the combination of that saw Chelsea suffer an embarrassing defeat at the hands of Brighton where they actually scored two own goals in that game. And then the fourth one came as Chelsea were chasing the game against the runner play after looking to get back in at the start of the second half by pulling it back to 3-1. As for Arsenal, they come into this off the back of winning their Europa League group. They are top of the Premier League. As I mentioned, they've only dropped points in two games so far this season. But their away performances so far are dipping. Their most significant wins have come at home to Liverpool and at home to Tottenham. But when they played another team in the top six against Manchester United, they were beaten 3-1. Mikel Arteta made a tactical mistake to go and chase the game at 1-1, and they were caught on the counter-attack, and Manchester United ran out three winners, 3-1 winners. They were also very, very poor and lucky to come away with three points against Leeds, where Leeds were the better team for large periods of that game. And against Southampton, where they were held to a 1-1 draw, they played well in the first half. But in the second half, Southampton rescued a point and were unfortunate not to win the game. So it does look like Arsenal could do with the World Cup break coming. They're top of the table. They have already won their Europa League uh, group. So far, so good. They're going to be in a round of 16 and they want to go into the World Cup top of the table. But they still need to navigate two EPL games and one of them is against a London rival in Chelsea on Sunday. This is a ground that Arsenal have won at on their last two visits. However, it's worth noting that both of those games were absolutely irrelevant to Chelsea. At the end of last season, Chelsea were looking ahead to an FA Cup final. They were comfortably in the top four and Arsenal went away and won against a heavily rotated Chelsea team while Arsenal were desperate as they were in a Champions League race with Tottenham, a race that Chelsea were not in because they were comfortably in the top four. Arsenal went to Stamford Bridge and won 4-2 against a complacent Chelsea who were more concerned with off-the-field issues with Roman Abramovich the season before. Arsenal also won away to Chelsea, but Chelsea were fully focused on the upcoming Champions League finals. So, if you look at the, the record between these two teams, it's understandable why Arsenal are favourites somewhat. And also, when you look at the league position, Arsenal won four of the last five matches against Chelsea. Two irrelevant wins at Stamford Bridge. One was a 3-1 win 
at home to Chelsea, which ultimately saw Frank Lampard get the sack. And then we saw the FA Cup final of um, of 2020, which was actually played in August, which was the Aubameyang show where Arsenal beat Chelsea by two goals to one. But this is a spot, as I said, where I am taking Chelsea. I've not been convinced with Arsenal's away performances so far. I think Chelsea need a marquee win to solidify the appointment of Graham Potter. And this is a Chelsea side that have already gone and won away to Milan and at home to Milan. But they haven't got that victory against a top six team yet this season. They should have beaten Tottenham at home, but they didn't. And uh, I feel that against Arsenal on Sunday, they will pick up that win to give us a lot more security. We will take Chelsea in the draw no bet market. Now, Arsenal are the favourites to win this game. So we are getting a shade of plus money on this selection. We're getting even money plus 100 on Chelsea as a pick, whereas Arsenal are four to five minus 125 in the same market. I don't think Arsenal will win this game. I would be stunned if Arsenal go away to Chelsea and win this game because for me, that makes them genuine, solidified, certified title contenders who will push Man City much further than many people expected. At the moment, I don't expect that. At the moment, Arsenal's away record for me is what is questionable. After performances away to Leeds, Southampton and Man United, I highlight all of those games as a case as to why Arsenal won't win this game. And ultimately, that's our main concern here when making this pick. If Arsenal win the game, that's the only way we lose money. I don't think they will. I'm happy to side with Chelsea. If Chelsea win, we win. If Chelsea draw, we lose nothing. We end up getting our money back. But if Chelsea win this game, we end up cashing. And I do feel that they will rise to the occasion. This is a big game for Chelsea. As I said, it's a statement game where you look at the odds here. Arsenal are our favourites coming to Stamford Bridge. Arsenal are now top of the table. And people are looking at Chelsea as also rounds who aren't in the conversation for the title. Don't forget, when these players go out and they play in Champions League games, they have a gold badge at the front of their chest. That tells them that Chelsea are currently the champions of the world. That means they are the world champions out of all of the clubs in world football because they won the Champions League the prior season and then they went on to win the Club World Cup. As much as you may not respect it, as much as you may think that it is an irrelevant competition that's probably always won by the European team, ultimately they wear that gold badge. So that's got to carry some pride and motivation and they will be motivated for this game. We've already seen Bamiyang make some stupid comments to BT Sport where he was urged to say in a promo package that it's nothing personal, but I'm a blue now. Absolutely ridiculous that that he was convinced to doing that into doing that. Um, in one of those images that you see in that video, it's a picture of him and Arteta holding the FA Cup together, and 
it's torn in half and Aubameyang pops out of it. Um, insane. A lot of pressure being put on Chelsea as a result of that. I mean, it could work both ways. They could pin this up on the Arsenal dressing room wall and they could really be motivated to turn in the performance. But they're motivated anyway because they are top of the league and they want to stay top of the league they want to start that world cup with arsenal being top of the league i think chelsea are the ones that probably need the extra motivation that will give it to them the fact that they're not in the same conversation as arsenal will give it to them and the fact is they're at home and they have the better players and i've been saying this throughout the season the markets at the start of the season were not correct to have tottenham as the third favorites when they have two well cast players was absolutely ridiculous manchester united already had better players and they considerably added to that in the summer which is why I always like them to be a stronger team than Tottenham this season and as for Chelsea being fourth favourites they were completely disrespected yes Arsenal are the team at the moment who are top of the league they've had a fantastic start to the season but how many Arsenal players are you taking and putting in this Chelsea lineup and uh, how many Chelsea players are walking into the Arsenal lineup Chelsea are stronger they are better they just need to put it together they're at home they'll be motivated and I'm happy to take them to not lose this game and to push on that draw and to win if they win. Chelsea's selection here as a pick on the draw no bet market at the price of even money plus 100. Manchester United and Aston Villa or Aston Villa versus Man United is covered exclusively over on Bet MFC as Man United visit Villa Park and for some reason that game is not going to be on TV at two o'clock. No, instead we get Southampton versus Newcastle. Don't understand why Man United versus Aston Villa is a big old school rivalry. It's been 30 years since the EPL started. And in the first season of the EPL, the top two were Man United first and Aston Villa second. You could have played in on that. You could have made a thing out of it. You could have used that in your silly promo videos and whatnot, but you didn't. So Aston Villa and Man United will be relegated to not being on television. I'll have to seek out a stream. If anybody can help me help me with that, reach out to me on my Twitter account at LockBettingCom. But uh, most of us will have to sit through Southampton versus Newcastle, where Newcastle are the 10 to 11 favourites to pick up the away win at Southampton. It's 5-2 to two on the draw, and it's 3-1 to one here on the Saints. I think we've hit that point where Newcastle are being a little bit overvalued with the books as if they are shoo-ins to finish in the top four. I think Southampton could get something from this game. And uh, ultimately, I think the strongest way to play this would be to take both teams to score. Newcastle come into this one having only kept one clean sheet across the last six away games. And they're likely to be made to work hard here by Southampton. Southampton actually failed to win in each of the last 13 games against sides in the top four. But they did draw... Uh, at home to Arsenal and gave them a tough game. They also gave Man United a tough game on their own turf and they got themselves a win against Chelsea. So when that says Southampton have failed to win each of their last 13 games against sides in the top four, that doesn't include Chelsea because they weren't in the top four at the time. So that's a little bit of... um, skewed data there that was a big win against Chelsea proving that they can perform here and despite the fact that Newcastle are unbeaten in eight straight league games I'm willing to oppose them here on the double chance market with my main lean being on both teams to score in this one the televised game between Southampton and Newcastle on Sunday the other two o'clock kickoff happening at the same time here will be between West Ham and Crystal Palace where West Ham are the 10 to 11 favourites. It's 12 to 5 on the draw and it's 16 to 5 here on Palace. 
Don't really have any significant data here for this pick. Crystal Palace seem to be getting the job done against teams in and around them, particularly at home. But they haven't travelled too well this season. If West Ham are going to be in the top half again, this is the type of game that I expect them to win. Their Europa League or Europa Conference League campaign won't have any effect here because they've been qualified as the group winners for a while and they've been able to rotate heavily for their last few games. So I think we see a full-strength West Ham team that get them a win and get them over the line here. They're very unlucky. They dominated and I'll admit that the last 25 minutes against Manchester United last weekend at Old Trafford and should have come away with a point if it wasn't for David De Gea. If they play like that, they start this game like that, despite the fact that Vieira has massively improved Palace and the way they play football, West Ham will be coming away with the points in this one. So we'll take West Ham on the money line. If you shop around, you can find this at even money plus 100 here for this one. The final game here is between Tottenham and Liverpool. I'm not sure what we label as the game of the week. Some weeks I have to write the game of the week in the write-up, but I'm not sure what to choose. This week, I'm not sure what to choose for two different reasons, because we have two huge games on Sunday with the London derby between Chelsea and Arsenal, and with Tottenham hosting Liverpool at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday afternoon. I will be going to this game 25 minutes from my house. Man United not on TV, so I'll take a wander down to the nicest stadium in the world to watch Tottenham hosting Liverpool where Liverpool are the even money favourites to win this game it's 13 to 5 the draw and it's 23 to 10 on Tottenham so you're probably thinking why the tone why the tone for Liverpool being favourites away to Tottenham well Liverpool have been abysmal away from home so far this season. Liverpool yet to win an away league game in the league this season. And I don't know if they're going to get off the mark here against Tottenham, who have been very, very strong at home. Tottenham have won five of the six Premier League home games this season. While Liverpool, as I mentioned, haven't won a league game away from home in the 2022-23 season. This Tottenham side haven't been stopped from scoring in any of their EPL league games this season. And Liverpool continue to give up the first goal. They continue to concede goals, but very often they continue to give up the first goal. I don't see a clean sheet in Liverpool's future, but the both teams to score selection at 4-7 to seven is too juiced here for this game. If you want to take both teams to score and over two and a half goals, that provides you a little bit more value at the price of 10 to 11 in a game that historically has goals. The only thing I will say for Liverpool is the fact that Tottenham are missing a lot of key attacking players. Kulaveski, uh, Richarlison, Son, who fractured a cheekbone. Um, and maybe missing the World Cup around the factor cheek by around his eye socket and maybe missing the World Cup. They're all out for this game. Romero's also out in the back. So Tottenham are missing some key players. But ultimately, Liverpool have failed to beat teams that are worse than Tottenham, even if Tottenham are missing key players. So I think there's very good value in taking Tottenham on the double chance market to avoid a defeat. And Tottenham to avoid that defeat are available at 8-11 to here in this one against Liverpool at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday. Closing out with your lock on this show, I was tempted by Chelsea because I like the spot. I like this team to come out motivated and turn up here against Arsenal. I also am looking to fade Arsenal in particular spots because I do think ultimately this team will fall short and will be dragged into a battle to stay in the top four. I think they're being overrated at the moment. But the Chelsea injury list is very concerning. We don't know the status of Kovacic. 
Um, Kante is still going to be out. Reese James is out. Chilwell is out. Kuabali may be injured. Kepa may be injured. So we're looking at a long, long list of injuries and therefore it makes the play risky. It's almost better in the same situation to take Everton as a pick over Chelsea. Although I like the spot for, for Chelsea, Everton don't have any injury concerns and this is a team who haven't conceded more than one goal at home so far this season. So if Everton can score a goal, you're pretty much guaranteed that they aren't going to lose that game. So they are appealing in the draw no bet pick market. But ultimately, I've decided to go with neither of those. I haven't gone for anything that can push in the draw no bet market. I have gone for an outright pick. And you're not going to thank me for this one because it is a boring one. And you're going to have to sit there and root for no goals in the game between Nottingham Forest and Brentford. We're going against goal here because Brentford are missing their key attacking component in Ivan Tony, who won't be playing in this game. Without him, I don't know where Brentford goals are going to come from. Meanwhile, on the other side, you have a Nottingham Forest team who've spent a lot of money, but offensively, they haven't been able to put it together this season. That's why they have gone seven games without scoring a goal. That is a league high, drawing a blank in seven games. And therefore, I think the under two and a half goals, especially being offered at the price of 10 to 11 minus 110, makes the most sense for your lock here on this show. Don't forget, next weekend is the final week of the EPL before we have a break for the World Cup. And as I stated earlier, your World Cup podcasts are coming shortly, beginning with the group futures previews. We're going to have a little fun bonus on next week's edition of the EPL show. I think we packed this show with quite a few stories at the start of the show. We did not start breaking down the games until the 16 minute mark. So I could not get this on on this week's show, but we'll get it on next week. We're going to have Jeff Cohen on the show. You usually hear him on the fight show, but he is a QPR fan and a QPR season ticket holder. And he can give us the full details on what Kissgate is. We saw hashtag Kissgate trending for the last two days. It's one of the funniest football stories of the season. And Jeff was actually there so he can give us the full rundown of hashtag Kissgate. I encourage you guys to go on Twitter and check out what that actually means prior to next week's show. And until then, good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.